Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Tony Gow, and you are listening to We Are West Ham Podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham Podcast with me, William Pugh, and this week we've got absolutely loads to talk about. Football is back is the main one. But there's been some comings and goings on the We Are West Ham podcast as well after our week off last week. So before I say who's joining me tonight, I'm sure you're wondering why I'm talking instead of Charlie's dulcet tones, as you normally hear at the beginning of each pod. But I've got some heartbreaking news for all of you who listen to We Are West Ham, and that is that Charlie Hawkins, the voice and unfortunately recently not the face of We Are West Ham, given his bottle job status when it comes to coming on the camera, on Zoom. Charlie is unfortunately leaving us. Charlie, what are you doing to us? I know, a bit of a heartbreaking one for me, obviously, personally, leaving you boys, uh, leaving James, who will defend him, who will stick up for him, but leaving you, uh, you both, really. Uh, it was a really tough decision, uh, one I was sort of toyed with for ages. Um, maybe not many West Ham fans know, being a gooner, coming on every week, talking about West Ham, flying a flag for the hammers maybe that will come as a shock uh it, it was it was starting to take his toll i need to get back to north london red uh I, i've tried to heal and help that divide and we were joined in our love and our hatred of spurs and as much as probably that was one of the highlights of the show the highlight uh that i will take away i'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more but um and why i wanted to do it and continue is really more than the football more than the pod without sounding too cliche, is the friendship I feel that I've got in you both. And uh, I just, I think why anyone does a pod or does a show, it, it, they're born out of your love of a sport and a team, but then they stay because of the friendship and the chemistry you had. And I always felt like I really had it with you two. I was touched to be asked to carry on. Um, but yeah, the pandemic, it's got to us all. We've had to, we've had to make some cuts. We've had to move on. And I think in order to grow, you two to carry on flying the flag, uh, will be you two, but where you've maybe lost uh, 
the another voice. I know you'll gain another voice, but you'll certainly gain another fan. And that ultimately, I can create more burner accounts to give you both some stick and add some reviews onto the pod. Well, look, I'm, I don't know if it was the extortionate salary that me and James were paying you to be the presenter <laughs> of We Are West Ham. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the four beers I'm going to have to buy James at the end of the season is going to be a, a steep enough outlay for me. But, no, honestly, it's, it's been a real pleasure for us. We are delighted to join Tom or to welcome Tom Edwards to the team. Most of you who've listened to the show for a while will know Tom. He's the regular stand-in and the regular mouthy pundit, shall we call him. He's, he's been on the Love Sport radio shows with us, been on the podcast a couple of times. We're delighted to welcome Tom which we'll, uh, we'll speak to him properly. But first of all, James, how are you? And uh, what are your thoughts on Charlie's departure? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, guys. Um, I was a lot worse earlier this week when uh, Charlie dropped the bombshell on us. Um, absolutely devastating news, but I suppose this is the best opportunity going to thank Charlie for sticking with us and listening to us moan about West Ham week in, week out. Firstly on the radio and then... And then on this podcast on Zoom during lockdown, and it has been a real pleasure. And, you know, it's great to, as Charlie said, um, it's great to sort of say that, you know, we're mates now rather than just guys that met up in a studio on a Tuesday afternoon to have a moan about football. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's sad to see Charlie go. But at the same time, we've gained a mate. So um, hopefully he'll be able to join us for those beers. Um, and I'll make sure I leave my wallet at home well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we like I said there, we do welcome Tom to the team. It is sad to, for sh- that Charlie's leaving us, of course. But Tom, thanks very much for agreeing to join us. Tom will be the uh, the, the regular third prong. It'll be me doing trying to stand in, trying to fill Charlie's enormous shoes, and no doubt won't be doing quite as good a job. But Tom, it will be replacing me on the panel, and I'm sure Tom that you're quite just as capable as being as mouthy as I've always has, as I always have been. They are pretty big boots of the old mouth to fill, but I'm pretty sure I can talk myself into them, mate. Um, no, honestly, guys, very, honestly, overwhelmed, very happy to be joining, joining it regularly. When West Ham lose, there's nothing better than getting it out in the open with us a lot and just chatting through it. So I'm very excited to get over that, get through it together, and um, just want to say congratulations on what you two have done. And hopefully, I know we will, we'll carry on and we'll keep getting better, lads. Absolutely. Well, we're thrilled to excited about what's going forward. But Charlie's joining us for one last introductory segment, the bit that he, he always led himself and threw us into the show. Normally, there was a few normally jokes about Barnets or Clobber. I, I was on the end of a few about my clothes in the Love Sport radio studio, that's for sure. So, Charlie, as it is your last segment that you're doing with us, what's your, you know, we'll want to hear your best memories of the pod, but more importantly, ultimately, you need to tell us who's got the worst Barney and the worst clobber out of James and I, because it is important. Yeah, as much as I'd look forward to talking about the football and the team performance and everything else that was going on, the 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 wit and the banter about what you lot were wearing, some nightmare clobber, some absolute rascal outfits, some rascal baseball caps, none other than yourself, Mr. Will Pugh. Uh, it's been questionable and it's been a leaderball that's really changed throughout the time. And I'll get to the losers, the heroes and the villains on that piece, but I do have some favourite memories. And it's actually nice that we welcome Tom tonight because he is involved in a couple of them. And I think I've picked three and I'll, I'll do it three to one. Number three coming in was when Tom had an absolute meltdown and Will pulled him on it. I think it was about Arteta. And Tom absolutely lost his head in the studio. I've never quite seen anything like it live 
on national radio. And uh, Will just, you know, very just dry, very just stone-faced, just pulled him on it. And Tom was just a bundle of nerves for the rest of the show. And he was riled up. It was aggression. Like a little clockwork toe. Uh, and it was, it was something to behold, really. I thought there could be an off here right in the studio. So that was brilliant. So if you haven't heard that and you're thinking, who's Tom? Go back and listen to that. But he does... Uh, he's in this chart a little bit later on. Number two, of course, it is the Rogue Mystery West Ham Players Quiz. But maybe you're thinking, why is that number two? I've been a big fan of this. I love this. Secretly, why I'm leaving. As soon as that Rogue Quiz was off, I'm off. If it's not continuing, then I'm not here. Ultimately, if it's back next week, so am I. Tom, no more. Just a joke, <laughs> obviously. But that comes in at number two. And number one is the ultimate highlight for me. And I kind of alluded to it earlier when speaking about Spurs because it was live, it was off the cuff, no one knew about it, it was natural. It was when it was back on radio. It was Tom and James, I believe. Tottenham had just sat Maurizio Pochettino live on air. West Ham were playing Tottenham. We'd done the opposition view on air. Jamie Brown, who's a great guy, does the last word on Spurs, nearly broke down in tears live on radio. And safe to say, regardless of West Ham, this podcast, it is probably one of the highlights of my life. And I don't think uh, the three of us, no one knew what to do, did we, James? That was, that will still stand, that's, that will always be the most bizarre bit of radio I've ever been involved in in my life. Just having, having a Tottenham fan cry live on our West Ham radio show on national radio, what, three days before we played them? It was, um, yeah, probably, it was gold. It was absolute gold. Um, I wish I could do it all over again. Now, yeah, Tom, for you, what, what, what did you think of that? Because obviously it, it was crazy. What are the chances that Tottenham sack their manager whilst we're doing a West Ham show, whilst West Ham and Tottenham are playing that weekend, whilst we've got a Tottenham fan on the phone? Honestly, it was just staggering the way it happened. We were all sort of obviously we're in conversation. We just look at the screen with the the yellow ticket coming across. Pochettino sacked. Two minutes late, the producers in your ear telling him we've got Jamie Brown on the phone. And he answers, barely being able to hold a phone, trembling. I thought this is absolute gold dust. I couldn't believe it when I left, mate. Honestly, honestly, what, what <laughs> world class entertainment for all of us. Now, Charlie, that, that is, the, like you mentioned it there, the fans can go back on wherever you listen to the podcast at the moment, iTunes, Spotify, Audio Boom, whatever it is, you can go back. And we actually named that episode, we just named it A Tottenham Fan Cries Live <laughs> On Air, I think. <laughs> yeah, we're honestly, we're, we are nice people, we're not bullies, but uh, you may have thought that that was clickbait, but it was in fact genuine and uh, something that now is not only my alarm, but also my ringtone. Now, Charlie, I don't, I don't want to, you know, make this all about me, but it sounds like basically your, your favourite three memories, two of the three are ones where I wasn't there. That just seems, <laughs> seems, to, be, seems to be a running theme. But like, like you mentioned there, the, the quiz, and we will get onto that later. Obviously, it's usually the last segment of the show, and we, uh, me and James are working on some bits to fill. Again, huge shoes to fill um, after the Mystery Players quiz came to an end before our week off we had last week. But along with that, you obviously spoke to Reese every week. You were, you were a huge part in putting that together. Mm. That was really quite something. Nearly 40, 30 odd weeks of me and James going head to head all come down to the very last minute. That was, uh, that was really quite something to behold, the quiz. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I think, you know, obviously down to you two, having the, the foresight and the idea to do, a, to do a quiz on the show, something that the fans can get involved in. They can join in with the guesses. They can suggest players. Reese was an absolute guru coming up with um, the players each and every week. Sometimes, not always, you two weren't the happiest, but you got it in. I mean, and, and again, people may have thought that that was sort of not scripted, but if you, you if you was a bookies, you would have never thought after 28 weeks, it was 14 all. You couldn't have made it up. It came down to the wire. So Will to change the rules, hopefully in his favour, then to be leading and he would have won the quiz. But then, honestly, I'm not making this up. A Tottenham fan cried. Will changed the rules. He ended up losing. This is all genuine, genuine stuff that happened on this podcast, which is one of the reasons why, as Will mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you know, that the boys... This is a fantastic pod. They've been nominated for an award, as it as is deserved. And not only that, uh, I know they wanted to kindly have me on tonight to talk and, and and say goodbye. But also for me, just to say thanks because I don't care if it sounds cringy or cliche. They, you did ask me. It's something that uh, I'm quite an emotional, sentimental guy. I'll remember. I'm not going to cry on it. Don't worry, like Jimmy Brown. But it, it touched me a lot that you asked me to stay on, and it's something that um, now I suppose with a heavy heart. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for West Ham's results. And when they're not playing Arsenal, make sure they're doing okay, like the little brother that I'm supposed to be. Absolutely, mate. Well, all good things must come to an end. And, and like you said, at the end of the quiz, seemed like a good a time as any to cut it down. But look, you mentioned it there. And James, hopefully, will be able to tell us more. But so, while the news of you departing the podcast, Charlie, was obviously a kick in the teeth to all of us associated with We Are West Ham. Our spirits were lifted somewhat in the days after when we were notified, James, that the We Are West Ham podcast, little old We Are West Ham podcast, has made it through to the final of the Football Content Awards against, quite frankly, some of the biggest and best podcasts in the game. Yeah, um, massive achievement, really. And um, we're, we're in the best podcast, uh, best Premier League podcast category at the Football Content Awards. The awards actually was supposed to be in May, but obviously because of COVID, it's been postponed until hopefully November. Um, and it's just great. And, you know, I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who voted for us at that first stage to get us nominated. Um, there's a fan vote and a judge's vote. Um, so, yeah, now we're asking people to, uh, our, our listeners to, to help us vote again. So we've, if you head over to our Twitter, you can, you can see the details and how you can help us vote. You can vote on Twitter and via their online form. You can do it twice if you want. Um, so yeah, there's no. Uh, I think you can do it on Instagram as well. So we're we're going to the awards evening, hopefully in November, at Tottenham's training ground, uh, uh, actual stadium, not the training ground. I don't want to talk about at the stadium to hopefully have another victory for West Ham at that ground. Um, and and we're up against a Spurs podcast. I think last word on Spurs. We're up against uh, Anfield Rap uh, and a few other very very big players in in our space. So it's it's an honour to just get the nomination. Uh, thanks to everyone who voted for us, but really, really excited to see whether we can actually bring home the goods and actually win a trophy for West Ham for once. If uh, if we do happen to win, I mean, like you said there, we're up against some absolute giants of the game with the Anfield Rap particularly is a full-time outfit. People earn livings from that podcast. And the, we've met the guys before, me and James, and they're great blokes and they really produce a good product. So to be in the same league as them is is absolutely brilliant, like you say. But Josie, if by some wild stretch of the imagination we actually manage to win, 
I will 100% do the Mikhail Antonio celebration across the stage <laughs> like he did at Tottenham away. I've already got my speech written and it's just, it's happened again. It's happened again. <laughs> yeah, listen, well, look, we, one thing again, we don't want to dwell on it too much, even though we definitely have already, but he's, uh, he's a man who's definitely worth, worth dwelling on. So we, we do owe a lot of that to Charlie, of course, James, a lot of the work and the, and the podcasts that we've done that have got us to the stage where we're at now and to be nominated for such a prestigious award is, is thanks in definitely in no small part at all to Charlie's role as the, as the host of this show. So it, it really does fill, fill me with a little bit of sadness and trepidation to, to finish and to say goodbye to Charlie at the end of his last ever segment that he'll be doing. We'll be hearing from Tom Moore in a minute and I had forgotten actually about how angry I've never seen a man get so angry in any walk of life, let alone in the live radio studio. So we have all got that to look forward to, fans. But, Charlie, you one thing I will say, sort of a bit of a last word, if you will. Well, I do appreciate what, you, what you've done for us and all the nice words we've said. We do obviously mean and come from the heart. I was a little bit disconcerted when you told us about it and James said, oh, we'll have to go for a beer. You tried to worm your way into the rogue mystery players quiz prize-giving ceremony where I'm already gutted about having to buy James four pints. But I might now, it sounds like I'm going to have to buy you one or two as well. Well, you know, every loser in their life will faces sacrifices, consequences, uh, um, punishments. And this is just, you know, one of those things. And James mentions for, I very strongly believe the number was definitely the double digits. Uh, Four pints to me seems a little on the lighter side of things. But if that's how we're going to play it, that's how we're going to play. And, and I have mentioned, obviously, uh, you two as well. And I mentioned uh, uh, Tom, uh, his memories, he made the charts. But also, just want to say, Tom is, is a mighty replacement. I think you three going forward, the synergy that that will bring, it will be like the trio triple threat that, let's face it, the Hammers haven't had in a long, long time. Apart from James's, as we know, very potent West Ham friends WhatsApp group. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I trust, Charlie, that you still haven't been invited to that. Neither have I. But despite all of that, you that's basically great. what this is, why I'm leaving. <laughs> it, went on, it went on far too long, Pew. And, and you, I'm sad that you're, you're sticking by, James, through this because I just couldn't any longer. I've, I've got no choice, mate. I don't think I'd do too well on an Arsenal podcast, would I? <laughs> You're always welcome, mate. You're always welcome. But Ch- Charlie, look, I'll, uh, as you always do to me and James, whether it's the end of the quiz or the end of each and every episode, as this is the end of your very last segment with the We Are West Ham podcast, I will leave the last word to you. Everything me and James have said up till now, we mean from the bottom of our hearts. Thanks very much. And I'll let you sign us out of this very last segment, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, hopefully it's not my, my last ever. Wolves, Wolves completely ripped me off. Mate, who knows? I could be your opposition fan now when West Ham play Arsenal. I'm always here for you, boys. But uh, no, I want to thank James, Will, and obviously Tom. I'm going to be listening. Don't ignore any of my questions for subjects or, or ideas that I want to throw to you three in the coming weeks. But seriously, I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best with your Wolves and this podcast. I've loved every minute of it. And I know I've said it, but I mean it. Love becoming uh, and meeting you two and becoming one of your friends. And we are going to stay in touch. Tom, I wish you all the best. I know you don't need it. You're a legend. I know you in your own right. And for the last time, as I always say, up the Amers. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, William Pugh, James Jones, and our new 
host and new panel member, Mr. Thomas Edwards, just said a very emotional goodbye to Charlie Hawkins and me and James. We are genuinely sad to see Charlie go. We've had a few different presenters during our time when we're still at Love Sport Radio, as many of you listened to us originally on there. We had a few different presenters there. Jake and Johnny all did great jobs. And uh, yeah, but Charlie, I think we, we built a real connection with Charlie. He was sort of our longest server and he's a really good guy. I'm sure you could all hear that listening to him week in, week out. I'm going to do my very best to, as I said, step into Charlie's shoes. So bear with me a bit on that. I'm sure I won't be anywhere near as smooth or as uh, or as witty or as just generally funny and as good of a bloke as, as Charlie was. But I'll do my very best. I'm thrilled to be joined by these two blokes, James, who I've known for a very long time, and Tom as well. Tom's come on board full time. Emotional stuff. But, Tom, I suppose we better talk to you now. Uh, how have you been? All good, mate. All good. I'm very excited about this. Firstly, guys, just like to say thank you. I've loved doing it in the past and um, I can't wait to crack on with this as much as it is a shame to say goodbye to Charlie. I'm here now. Um, but no, I've been all right, mate. I, I'm lucky I'm living with the parents. I've gone back home to live with them, so I've got a bit of space at the minute, so I've, I've made the most of it. I'm doing all right, but just waiting for West Ham to get back losing every week, to be honest. Well, that's uh, that's sort of the, the main thing that everyone's talking about. And the main news, obviously, it was a bit overshadowed on this podcast by Charlie's departure, but football is back. We had a week off last week. So that announcement, since we were last on air properly, that football is back June the 17th, the, the first two games in hand being played. And then the following weekend, West Ham, I think, down for the Friday night game. Welcome Wolves to the London Stadium. What are your thoughts on that? Generally, obviously, we haven't been able to catch up with you, Tom, about what your thoughts were on the whole process when it first happened. So just mm. give us an overview of that and, and you know, what, what are you thinking ahead of, the, uh, ahead of the Wolves game? I mean, when, it, when the rumours of football coming back and Premier League started coming back quite soon after lockdown, I was a bit wary and standoff, standoffish with it, thinking it's a bit of Premier League greed over actually what we should be doing. But now the fact that everything seems to be loose and people live, I'm, I'm actually quite excited. Even though behind closed doors isn't football as we all know it. We're all, we all go to games, all season tickles. We'd love to be there ourselves, but we know that right now that's not going to be a thing for months and months and months. So we've got to get the game back one way or another. And um, the only shame is we're down at the bottom and we're fighting because if we were to go down, then there's the argument for home fans and all that. But to be honest, I'm happy it's back. And I just hope that when when we did leave, we actually looked like we were quite a decent team with Bowen included and we looked like we were getting back to somewhat of an outfit which can cause teams problems and we'll be all right. So I'm just excited, to be honest, more than anything else, to see Premier League back, football back and West Ham back, to be honest. James, do you think that's going to have done us a favour? Like Tom, what Tom's mentioned there, the break, and I think the reality now is kind of settling in that, oh, OK, football is back and, oh, yeah, hang on, we are in massive relegation trouble still. Tom mentioned it there. We were playing all right. We were looking a lot better before lockdown. Do you think the rest is going to have done us a favour or do you think it might have given some of the more complacent players a chance to slip back into that mindset? It's difficult to tell. I mean, I don't think we really touched on it when, when it all kicked off. But, um, you know, we were we were, did seem like we were getting a bit of momentum behind us, um, particularly with Jared Bowen and his performances. Really felt like, you know, we've got enough about us to sort of pull away from this with the bottom three. And then everything happens. And then, you know, so when it comes back in a few weeks' time, you hope that they can just hit the ground running where, you know, where they left off. But it's been a long gap between the two. But mm. it's difficult to really tell what West Ham's going to turn up. But I suppose every club's in the same boat. Um, I think the only, the only club really without much to worry about is... Um, so 
we have to remember that while it could could work against us, but it could also work in our favour and everyone else in the league is is in the same boat. I just hope that we're not too affected by the whole um, empty stadiums. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it will make much of a difference, but I, mean, I think I saw a stat over in the Bundesliga after like three rounds or four rounds, only, there was only like, I think it was something really low, like 25% of home wins. Something like six in 40 something, six in yeah, 30. Yeah, something like that. And it was like, it was actually quite alarming that, Yeah. and we've got more home, home games than we have away left. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't translate into to what the Premier League does and how that turns out. But equally, I'm excited that, that we are going to get some football back. I'm not too worried about the whole no fans. Um, it is what it is. We, we kind of knew this was going to be the case. Um, I'm just looking forward to you know, the turn on the TV. Uh, three games in um, three games in a, in a day, I think. And yeah. um, sitting forward to, be able to watch a bit of watch a bit of football for once. You cut out there, James, and I think it was Liverpool. You were saying the only team we don't have to worry about, which is obviously not much of a surprise. The one thing that I do find interesting about West Ham, Karen Brady kicked off, didn't she, a few weeks ago when the idea of neutral venues was floated. And she was very much saying, you know, West Ham were fighting for it and the home advantage means a lot given where we are in the league. I think while there's no fans, obviously the it just being more local to your players, Wolves having to travel down the motorway and West Ham just having to go around the corner like it would normally. I'm intrigued to wonder whether the, the pressure of the home fans when we were going before, I would imagine would have had a negative impact on on some of the players. You're playing in front of 60,000 people every week where the the mood wasn't good for big chunks of the season. Confidence was probably quite low. I'm perhaps intrigued to see whether, you know, playing in front of no one takes that pressure off a bit and perhaps the players are a bit more free to play. Yeah, I, I for me, I thought, um, it, you, like you say, it was in the midst of when the protests were really gathering momentum and um, it was a really collective fan we, we were collective as fans for once in the last few years we all came together well the vast majority were sort of behind the same thing but in a negative way and there's no denying that people like Anderson people in the forward areas who Haller Anderson they were starting to get a little bit of stick and maybe it will release the shackles a bit particularly for someone like Anderson who's who's got a lot more to give he's one of those you watch him and you know that he's holding himself back for one reason or another whether that's confidence or what it might give people like him a license but it's until we see them first day or first game back it's going to be hard to judge but I do think that we might see a few we'll see difference in performances I think we'll see a few players thrive and a few maybe drop maybe even distance covered in games and things like that because of just the adrenaline that you you work with when you've got 60,000 fans in there compared to just the backroom staff yeah I mean it's always it's always difficult to tell I mean there are players in that squad that probably feed off the, the crowd a little bit. Um, but you're right, Tom. Who would you say? Well, I mean, Martin Noble definitely yeah. does, doesn't he? Bless him. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, given the, the poor form we've been in throughout the season, it's probably, it's difficult to really believe that that, that is the case. But, um, you can, you can bet that there'll be players in there that would, that, do feed off it, you know. They they rely on the the, the positive, um, the, the positive atmosphere around around the stadiums. I reckon Matt Michael Antonio is one of those. If he's got the fans behind him, he, he's a he's a much more effective player going forward. I mean, he runs he runs all the time anyway, um, and that's why he gets the fans behind him. When he knows the fans are there, then it's you know he's a different player. 
Um, but yeah, as Tom said, but I, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't think, given their, their experience as footballers, it shouldn't matter. You know, they, they, they're used to playing training matches and stuff like that. I know it's a little bit different given there's something on the line. But um, yeah, I, I hope it doesn't affect us too much. I, I agree. I do think it'd be intriguing to see what happens with that because I think a lot of those players, certainly before we started kicking on a little bit, really looked just completely devoid of confidence. And it was one of those classic football scenarios where they do a bad touch 10 minutes into the game. The whole crowd's just waiting for something bad to happen. We'll, we'll touch on that. Tom's mentioned the board there and you know the, the, the protests we saw. There were thousands of people. People are arguing until they're blue in the face, some from the club side, some from the the support group side were about exactly how many, but certainly the the latest one, there was, it was definitely in the thousands. Um, we'll touch on that a bit more later on, but we'll, we'll go on to some, some more general headlines. There has been a lot of news surrounding the club, obviously, while we've, we've been away and had that week off last week. One thing, one interesting one I saw, the squad are obviously back in training now. A few players across the league have decided whether or not Troy Deeney and Golo Kante are sort of the most high-profile ones who've decided against it or did initially. West Ham uh, have been back. We haven't had too many people sort of kicking off. Cresswell and Lanzini did over the period, so they were initially worried. One thing I saw this week is that David Moyes has had the squad training in the full kit. And the idea behind it, I think, is just to get them used to that match day, sorry, the, like the match day playing in front of no fans, training match sort of environment that they're going to be playing in in a couple of weeks' time. I still can't work out whether that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, the squad playing in full kit at a training ground, or whether it's a little bit of a stroke of genius and that every little percent matters. It, it sounds weird, but I think Liverpool have done the same thing. Oh, there you go then. Um, if it's good enough for Liverpool. I'm pretty sure I've seen pictures of Liverpool. I think they've been training at Anfield, and there's they're in a... There's, there's a team in a home kit, a team in the away, away kit, and they're playing the match against each other. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. It sounds like um, that's. Uh, I mean, if Liverpool are doing it, then you know, I'm, I'm not. Not. I'm not against it. Yeah. And you know, if if it's um, something that sort of adds to the, the positive mentality of, of playing without any fans and sort of getting into that mentality, then I'm all for it. But when, to be fair, I thought it was a little bit strange when I first when I first saw those headlines as well. Tom, you having that? I, I mean. If I was a player personally, well, lo, lo and behold, if I was a player, but if I had to go in on my Tuesday and, and get shin pads up, put the boots on, get ready for a game, I think what is happening here. But, <laughs> but I think that the one, the one thing I do understand, which is a positive mood, I, I might sound simple here, and every club in the country must be doing it or should be doing it, but training at the Olympic Stadium and getting game time, feeling the pitch, training every day, making it our home, even though the fans aren't there, you can... There are surroundings we've got to get used to and we've got to make the most of our advantage if we are to play at home. So the fact that he's gotten training there, brilliant. Kit, I'm, I'm not too sure personally, but it could, it could be one of those things that it, a little piece of making them feel like it's a normal Tuesday when they're playing in the Premier League games or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, just, just one more on the, on the semantics, on the pre-restart chat that uh, has been swilling around the football world since the news was announced. Karen Brady, in her column in The Sun, her latest one was, uh, she basically said, you know, the Premier League's project restart's not perfect, but it's, it's sort of as close as we're going to get. Premier League's got its integrity on the line. And she went further down, sort of laying into the points per game system, which ultimately, my understanding of it is that if the football 
kicks off again and everything's fine and there's either a second wave of coronavirus throughout the country or we go into lockdown again or a team has so many cases that they can't complete the season the season has to be stopped again is that it will go to a points per game basis at the moment not weighted it's just standard points per game at the moment I'm I believe I'm not certain but I think it means that West Ham would go down by a fraction if that's the case I think we stay up on goal difference because if it's we weighted, stay up by a fraction if, if it's weighted we go down by like less than a point I think yeah but if it's if it's just points per game then we stay up on goal difference but so Karen Brady was sort of kicking off about that and again if she could be applauded um for not putting the 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 club before the the greater football good and she's basically saying look I don't like the idea that a Premier League stakeholder has its fate decided by a formula rather than playing football games out on the pitch do you share that thought or is it one of those where you say well you've got to do something for me I think that I completely get it if you pump your money into a club the, the, the main reason I'm not for that right now is because Aston Villa right in the thick of it have a game in hand on other clubs around them it's also about who you play and when you've got to play, for instance. I know the weighted one. Does that take into account who you've got to play or is it just home and away, isn't it? The weighted one was just home and away. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got teams who've got harder run-ins. We're probably one of them, but you've still got teams who have... I, I just don't think it's... A, as much as it's a, it makes sense to do it that way, I just think a lot of teams lose out and games in hand and things like that. It, it, it's, it's just not the same. No one's on the same playing field. No one's played... A, the same amount of games as each other and no one's played the same teams the same amount of times. So I just think there's always going to be a discrepancy over that. I think regardless of whatever way, if it does come to that, whatever way they decide to end it and to settle it, um, there's going to be three clubs that are going to be annoyed at least. Maybe more if it affects European qualification and, and whatnot. Hopefully that it doesn't come to it that, that we're one of those upset clubs, but those three upset clubs at least that end up get, getting relegated are, are going to take legal action. If it, if it gets that far. That's why the Premier League have tried so hard to get the season up and running. Um, that and the fact there's a lot of TV money involved as well. They, you know, they don't want to have to upset clubs or sort of you know, do wrong by some clubs to the point where they end up having to go to court over it, over the decision. Um, and that's the level that we're at. That's the amount, the amount of money that's involved means that these clubs will take legal action. So... Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I think you know the, the the fairest way to do it would be to null and void it if it comes to that point. If if it comes to the point where we have to just to just stop any, just remove that any threat of any clubs potentially going down doesn't happen because I don't think it's fair. Not when you've played what eighty percent, eighty five percent of the season. It just it wouldn't be fair. Exactly. I think that that's the thing, isn't it? We've had these conversations on this show, and I'm sure everyone listening has had them in in wider variety at home and on the phone, on Zoom chats, whatever it is with their friends. But luckily, as it stands at the moment, we've got football coming back. We're going to have some games to watch, albeit from home. And one of the, the question marks now return to the sort of old questions we're used to asking before football games, players' fitness, what their form's going to be like, what system Moise is going to play, etc., etc. One of the ones I've seen in the week, there's a question mark over the fitness of Angelo Ogbonna, for the Wolves game. I think he was a little bit late back to training along with one or two others, Cresswell and Antonio, I believe. And the, the question marks around whether he's going to be fit enough. Tom, does that matter? I mean, Obon is probably, as a centre-half, he's probably been our best centre-half for the last year or so. And I mean, he'd be a big miss 
But I think it'll be the case across the board that either I know his is an injury and it's a legitimate reason why he's unfit, but I think it'll be across the board that some players' fitnesses are up here. I know they've had weeks to work it out, but I think some players will hit the ground running, others won't. And we just got to hope that Diop and Balbuena, presumably, or who it will be, can just... They, they played well together last year and hopefully they can find a little bit of resurgence of form together because they struggled when they played side by side this year. And Obono was sort of the cool head and arguably one of our players of the year so far this season. I know it's not so much, but for me, he was one of our standouts. So I think it will be a big miss, particularly in the leadership department. But fingers crossed that those two rekindle some form of partnership that they had last year because they were pretty decent at points. I think the the prospect of Balbuena coming in is is probably more scary than Obono missing out, James. It is, yeah. I mean, I'm going to admit now that a very, very small part of me quite enjoyed reading that story about Ogbonna's injury because reading injury news is a good sign that football's on its way back. Um, <laughs> even if I was a little bit surprised that we've already got injury... I mean, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that we've already got injury problems um, given that we're West Ham and we've always got injury worries. But um, The, the think... longest rest most footballers have had in their career and we still pick up the <laughs> yeah, injury. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, Ogbonna for me is a contender for hammer of the year. I think he's been absolutely superb this year. And um, you can screw your face up as much as you want, Will, but he, he has been <laughs> super. He's been so good. Um, he's been good. And I think I was so surprised to see Balbuena after that really great debut season to, to sort of dip in form and then Ogbonna to sort of take his place back. Um, you, you say it's worrying. Um, I think we're in a position at the moment where we don't really know what the form is going to be like, what the fitness is going to be like of anyone coming back. I mean, it, it might not make much of a difference. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, hopefully Ogbonna, I think I read three weeks for Ogbonna. Um, so hopefully not for too long, because I'd prefer to have Ogbonna in there than Balbuena, given the season he's had so far. He said, he said he could even he could even make it. It could be touch and go, but he could actually end up being yeah. fit for that Wolves game. I think with Balbuena, it's sort of finally becoming clear why we only paid four million quid for him. And all right, he had one wicked season, but you paid four million pound. You you sort of take that from him. He's he's paid for his money, isn't he? One more hilarious, or I find it hilarious and exasperating in equal measure story in terms of team news. Jack Wilshere back training again. Could play. Jack Wilshere set for return. Injury stricken Jack Wilshere set to return to West Ham's first eleven. Oh God, I'm I'm bored of it. What do, again, do we care? Will he play? No, he probably won't. Is it even worth us wasting our time and talking about it in these next couple of minutes on the We Are West Ham podcast? I, I, I'm now at the point where Jack Wilshere is like, if he plays great, if he doesn't, like we're not missing anything. Um, and that's not, that's not an attack on Jack Wilshere because, you know, he's had his injury problems and those injury problems haven't been his fault. And, you know, I, I used to always get annoyed when people used to like slag Andy Carroll off for, for being injured. It was like, well, he doesn't want to be injured. No one wants <laughs> to be injured. It doesn't matter how much money you earn. Um, you don't want to be injured. So I do feel sorry for, for, for Jack Wilshere. Uh, I hope he does get a little bit, a little bit of game time uh, between now and the end of the season, whenever that, whenever that is. But, um, it, it's got to the stage with him where if he plays, then it's a bonus, and it's another man in midfield that we can that we can use. Um, but if he doesn't, we we haven't really mi- we're not missing him. Um, so if he's fit, then then happy days for me. It's, it's a bonus. I Tommy, agree. Are you having him at centre back instead of Balbuena? Or <laughs> to be fair, let's see how they go in training. But he's got to find a place ahead of him. Someone does. Uh, no, I'm joking. But no, the thing is with Wilshire. I mean, it's. Um... 
he's such a talented player. Like Declan Rice came out in when this first started, one of the first interviews he did in this month's layoff, and they said if you could have one player back from injury in the West Ham squad, who would it be? And he went, he was waxing lyrical about Jack Wilshire and all that. So we, but everyone in the world knows you've got a player in him when he is fit. But it's just getting that guy fit, getting him up to game speed. And I think I'm with James in the fact that he's one of those I just don't even see him when I'm pitching a West Ham team or picking it in my head or talking to my mates. He, he doesn't factor in, in any of them just because the reality is he's going to be fit for the first two weeks of the season and then it's going to be in and out or whatever. So having him back is a bonus. It's an extra body and a good body at that when he is fit. And But even if he is ready to go, will he be match fit and good enough to make an impact on our team, I worry. Well, perhaps that's what we should do then. As a as as in our new little setup we've got going on here with uh, with you and Tom James, perhaps you should just make a we are West Ham rule from now on that there will just be no more mention of Jack Wilshere. If he gets on the pitch, then we'll talk about him. But if not, no more speculating as to whether or not he's going to ever play for West Ham ever again. He's <laughs> going he's gonna to score the winner against Wolves now, just so we've got to speak about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, assist from Og Bonner. absolutely well I say Wilshere's return yet to be seen one thing move on to transfers now because there has been some some talk comings and goings at We Are West Ham and comings and goings perhaps at the club in the summer there's a couple of uh, three different ones an, an incoming or potential incoming a potential outgoing and a contract negotiation the Jeremy and Gakia news it's a little bit older given that it happened because we had that week off last week. So it's sort of been through the news cycle already, but haven't heard thoughts from anyone here at We Are West Ham. And Gakia, it seemed to be, and I've been very player friendly during all this. When players have come out saying they're worried about coming back during the coronavirus, players are coming back saying they don't want to have, they don't want to give up some of their salary. I've been very, no, back the players. They're young, hardworking lads and, and they're out to get what they can. I think there's been, there's been two very defined camps with Vangakia. Some people saying it's absolutely mental. The, the usual stuff you hear, he's, he's a greedy little so-and-so and he should know what's good for him. He's only played a couple of games in the first team. Some people on the other side of that saying, look, he's obviously got a lot of talent. He's just after, after what he's after. He's after some money. He's being advised by an agent, this and that. Which side of the of the fence do you fall, Jonesy? I already know. I already know. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I get really frustrated with these stories because um, obviously we're, we're no strangers of bringing a player through the ranks. That player showing a lot of promise and then us dillying dallying over whether we should give him a contract or not. You know, the same thing happened with Declan Rice. Um, and they ended up giving him one, but I'm pretty sure that was reluctantly at the time. I don't think they wanted to give him the amount of money they gave him. Um, And this kind of does stink of the same thing, but at the same time, he's only played four games for the first team, Um, and four games isn't enough for anyone to say that those are four very impressive performances. You know, that performance up at Anfield, you know, his debut against Liverpool, um, like... For, for the first two performances, fantastic. But he's still young. And to play four first-team performances and everyone to rave about him and say, this guy's great, you've got to throw a contract at it. I can, if the club are a little bit worried, um, then I can half see why. However, um, with that in mind, there's, there's really no reason why they shouldn't at least you know, put a contract on the table and, and actually negotiate rather than just like a take-it-or-leave-it thing. Tom... I, I, 
go on. Just quickly, just the last thing on that. I was watching the Sunderland Till I Die thing earlier um, with the Josh Madger situation where mm. you, you, you see it from inside the club and it was all Josh Madger's agent going, you yeah. know, I'm going to get him a move, I'm going to get him a move. And I mean, fair part, I think he scored what, 20 goals in that first half of that season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all his agent. How do we know that this isn't all uh, Ngakia's agent trying to get either more money out of West Ham or trying to get him a move whenever the summer transfer window comes off the back of four very promising performances? I don't think we know the full story, but I'd like to think the club will get a deal done for him just because we've got nothing to lose. If he doesn't mm. turn into a great player, then you know we haven't lost anything, really. Um, and if he does, then at least we've got him on the books. Tom, there's been no real talk of, mm. of numbers yet, or certainly so, so I've seen. I don't know if either of you can shine any light on that. But ultimately, I think as well what's worth remembering, we're pretty desperate for a right-back. Zabaleta's done, mm. isn't he? Mm. Fredericks, pff, I mean, I'm not sure how long we're going to wait for him to come good. Yeah. No, I, I'm... Like you say, I haven't really seen numbers. I might be making this up. I think I saw a figure around 20K that he was asking for a certain amount of time or 15 to 20K, which... That's too very, much, isn't it? That's too much. And I think what Jonesy said there is... Spot, and also everyone forgets this guy was on the bench for the under-23s until, until the minute Johnson got injured or he was shifted out wide right midfield. So he's, he started this season thinking... I'm begging to hold on to my pro contract and not get sent on loan and fall down the pecking order and go wherever to suddenly being supposedly West Ham's now starting right back and every team you see on Twitter, every team round, even my team, he starts for me right now at right back. I think, so he's had such a meteoric rise in his own head that he's, his agents, what you just said, say West Ham looking for right back. If it is agent talk, he's going West Ham with desperate for a right back. Talk it up. I'm disappointed personally. I think that we've given him his chance for any club who gives you your chance, you owe him something because not many people get given a shot, a young English player in the Premier League these days. Not many people get thrown into the deep end without having to go on a different step or go on loan or whatever. So I'm disappointed in that instance, but who to blame, I don't know. I, I'd like to think we'll get it done, but it's not sounding promising, to be honest. It's not the only one at the moment, though, is it? I think Veron Parks is a very promising youngster yeah. in the, in the under-19s, under-18s. He he's refused the contract, wants to go go elsewhere. We've let go of so many youngsters recently that it makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes because yeah. you know we're we're developing some some promising youngsters. I'm not going to say you know this is the the next wave of you know the golden the golden years that we have with like Ferdinand and and Lampard and and the rest of them, but they're promising young young players. Yeah. Um, Deccan Rice being at the tip of that, but then you know Ngakia, Ben Johnson he's showed a good player for his injury. Yeah, I um, really think he's a good player. I really, do. yeah. And you know, you know, we still got Josh Cullen out on loan. Let's talk about whether he he'll end up being leaving full time when he's if anything he's deserved a first team opportunity more than anyone at the club. Um, and it just frustrates me that in the end they all just end up leaving, and we don't get time. We don't really get much time with them. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think it is, it is one of those. Again, we, it, it's easy to say, and it sounds a bit tedious, doesn't it? But it is a balancing act. If you're talking 20 grand like you're talking about there, Tom, it's far too much money. If you're talking like some of the stories suggested that West Ham have offered him a contract in the region of three to five grand a week, which is similar to what Declan was on before he got his big bump up to the sort of money he's on now, then, yeah, you sort of think, well, that's fair enough. And if he's pushing for another thousand or two, then, then perhaps you can't really moan at him. One other young, promising-ish, perhaps, player that could be out on his way out of the door 
at the London Stadium is Albion Ayeti. Eight million pounds signing from Basel last summer. Might as well have been the kit man for all we've seen him on the pitch. <laughs> looking apparently, this is Sam Incasol, friend of the show at Football.London, reporting that West Ham are looking to offload him and get the eight million quid back that we paid for him last summer. I don't know if they think we've lent Basel the money and perhaps are going to give us it back with interest or what it was. But um, yeah, I mean, the idea of getting eight million quid for him seems a bit far fetched. I don't, I don't know. It's one of those, Tom. Is it just we haven't given him enough of a chance, or was he just never good enough to warrant one in the first place? I think he's one of that. He's still an unknown, but I think we've seen enough, even from the little cameos he had in 15, 20 minutes. That he's come on at half time at points. He started in the cups against what was it, Oxford? We didn't play anyone decent in the cups really this season. Started in all those, and he's shown nothing. So I mean. It just seems like it would just seem like an odd signing. I, it, usually with West Ham, you in the lead up to a transfer, you hear about him for weeks, and you think it's going to happen. Waiting when it's going to happen. This one came out of the blue, sort of, and I've been I've not been impressed with anything I've really seen from him. But I, at the same time, he definitely hasn't had the opportunity, and he could have been given a shot in two up top when we were going through that sour patch. But for me, get rid of him. I'm the same. Uh, it's just another striker that's come to West Ham, done nothing, and will we'll end up leaving. It's it's a shame because I was quite I was quite happy that we signed him because he's played in the Champions League. He thought this could be a good backup striker, but he's not even been used as a backup striker. It's just like he's not in the end. There's just no point us paying eight million quid for him. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, I'm not surprised that the club are looking to let him go. The the, the you know the, the big question is you know it means we have got to buy another player to bring in to cover for him. Which again, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a rolling cycle of just constantly replacing rubbish strikers with more rubbish strikers, <laughs> um, which we've been doing for the last, what, 15 years anyway. Easy. Yeah, I, the thing is, right, and I think it's, I feel a bit sorry for him, to be quite honest. He's got to move to a Premier yeah, League Yeah, I do club. as well. It, mm. just, it just smacks of everything that anyone who supports West Ham, who criticises the board for not having any transfer strategy, we've just got rid of Arnautovic, a six-foot-plus, all-action, win-headers, great on the floor, all action striker. We've just bought 45 million Sebastian Haller, six foot plus, powerful, big, huge striker. That's obviously the way West Ham have been playing recently. That's obviously the way we're going to carry on. It's like, what did they try and bring him in to replace Hernandez, who also didn't fit into the system? We just, what is the, what is the point of buying a little pocket striker who clearly needs to play up with someone else when we're going to play direct football? That, that's not a replacement, is it? It just didn't make any sense to me. But one last one before we wrap up for the break. West Ham looking at uh, Bakayoko from Chelsea. Tiemu Bakayoko. Chelsea paid 40 million quid for him. He's sort of been floundering around out on loan, just not had a good time at, at Stamford Bridge at all. When I saw it at first, I think if we're going to give him a chance for resurgence, I thought Kuyate. I liked the sound of it originally, or is it one of those who is. He's had his payday. He's, he's gone to a big club and he, he's on the wrong side of the motivation hill, as I like to call it. I was, I was also quite quite encouraged by the report, and then you realise that hang on, is this just going to be a make weight for Deck and Rice leaving to go to to Chelsea, go the other way? And lo and behold, that is some of the reports are actually saying that that um, Chelsea want Deck and Rice as part of the deal. Um, and for me, you know, if it's if it's a toss up between Deck and Rice or Bakayoko, it's like it's just a no brainer, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, it's a good player, Bakayoko. I, I don't think Chelsea fans liked him that much, but mm. he is a good player. 
Um, and if we were to sign him, then you know I think you know it would be a good deal to to make. But not if it means that Declan Rice leaves the football club for me. Like I, I keep Declan Rice, and I, I know every single other fan would rather keep Declan Rice at the football club. Um, whereas Chelsea fans would prefer Declan Rice to Bakayoko. So. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone would prefer Declan Rice <laughs> yeah. to their football. So yeah, I mean it is what it is. But um, if Declan Rice isn't involved, then I take him all day long. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the one thing worth remembering is that going loco down with Bakayoko would make an absolutely cracking song uh, a couple <laughs> of away games, wouldn't it, after a few beers? Well, look, we've, uh, we've covered the transfers now, so stick with us because we'll be chatting next about the season ticket and refunds, club cash, the emails that went out this week from West Ham and, of course, the uh, how, how the board will be faring when football comes back. Will the pressure they were receiving from the fans before, will that have gone away? Or are they still going to have a lot to answer for? You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. We've covered a lot so far. We waved an emotional goodbye to Charlie. We welcome Tom Edwards into the fold. We've spoke transfers. We've spoke football's return. And we spoke, will Jack Wilshere ever play for West Ham again? And also agreed that we're never going to mention his name on the We Are West Ham podcast until he gets on the pitch. One thing that happened recently, lads, and it applies to a lot of our listeners, no doubt, and certainly to you too, is the issue of season ticket refunds. There was an email went out from the club in the last couple of days and some letters, I think, as well. Everyone who's got a season ticket should have received one of those just discussing about club refunds and fans getting their money back for the games they're going to miss this season. First of all, what, what are you two doing, I suppose? We had a couple of different options. You could have just got full credit. It's, it's been credited to everyone's account in club cash at the moment, which means you can put it towards next season's season ticket. My initial thoughts on that was, well, uh, there's no guarantee that next year is going to be a full season of football anyway, or that fans are going to be back whenever the 2020-21 season starts. So do I just take the money now and I'll, I'll wait and see what happens with season tickets going forward? They were my initial thoughts. Jonesy, I saw you tweeted earlier on today. Um, how much are you getting back first and, uh, and what you're planning on doing? Well, I think it's £173, um, <clears throat> which I was actually surprised. That. I thought it'd be less than that. You can definitely um, buy the beers, by the way, then, at this end of the season <laughs> thing. <laughs> definitely not. No, no, I've earned those beers off you, mate. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, initially I thought, I oh, know, I could do the cash. But at the same time, I thought, well, it, I can keep that in there and that can go towards the next season ticket. You make a good point that we don't know whether we're even allowed to go to games next season. Um, and if that's the case, then we'll, it, it will just be the same situation. We'll just get that money back again. As I understand it, uh, the club will be very, very clever in the way that they've they've done this, and that you can either put it towards your season ticket next year, use it in the clubs on the club store, or call them up so they can send you a form for you then to apply for a cash refund. Um, Is there a form as well? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, apparently you call up, and everyone knows calling up the ticket of uh, the ticket office at West Ham is a nightmare at the best of times. Pointless. Um, and then you're on hold for 30, 45 minutes for them to then say, "Okay, we'll email you a form." Then you get a form, you have to fill that out. And then once they've received that, you receive it within 30 days, you, you, your money. How hard very, would it have been to just attach that to the email? Everyone's been saying it on, on Twitter. They could have just put that in the email, but Crazy. they haven't. And it's very obvious why they haven't. They want people to use that either in the club store or on next year's tickets. Um, mm. For me, 
two two reasons I want to put it towards one because I don't need to call up the ticket office and be on hold for a million like a million hours you like, do a hundred quid enough. in phone bills wouldn't you exactly yeah <laughs> uh, and so it's 170 quid off next year's ticket so yeah. you know any money off a, a season ticket is good so I'll, I'll take it yeah I'm, I'm um, the same I'm the same I'm um, at the minute I'm happy to look towards it to be to next season just take it to to take shave a bit off next season season ticket but the only thing is, if this goes on and what we come back next November or something, we've got 18 games or 16 games left, eight home games. You you just know that the club are going to say, look, you can put it towards this and that will pay for you for the next few games or whatever. And you've got to add another hundred on top of it. So it's risky. But to be honest, anything, it just when that season ticket chunk comes out, we all know the feeling. It'll be nice to have a little bit shaved off. So that's my thinking behind it at the minute. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, the, the only thing you're holding on to a little bit is that some of the games might be better. I think if, if I'd had the offer at the beginning of the season or I knew how the season was going to play out, I might have paid my money to not go to the games like we're going to be at the moment. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have, I think it's more fair that I get a refund for the games I've been to this year. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that, I say everyone's and the club have said in the, in the beginning of that very wordy email that everyone's in their own situations. But I mean, not that there was ever a situation where the club wouldn't offer the money back a little bit of a shame that it's uh being made quite awkward but um james was that did you had a little bit more say on it yeah no i just wanted to say that you know i mentioned the way the club have have, have made people call up for the cash refund and I, I while i think it was a, is a crafty move I, I think it was a little bit out of order as well and that you know there's a lot of people out there that have lost their jobs during this time um and need the money more than other people so, like, it, they should have made it as easy as possible for people to get their cash back. Um, and so, I mean, and I know that I've sort of, I've just been picking through Twitter earlier, and a lot of fans are, are, are very, very annoyed at the way that the club have, have gone about it. It's, it's, it's great that they are giving people cash refunds, but the way that they've... It's not, hit, is it? It's not great. That's just, they've paid for a product. Like, you shouldn't be getting applause for that, well, should uh, they? I get that. I get that. But at the same time, they've they've made it very difficult for people to go through that cash refund process. Um, and if anything, it should have been more difficult for people to renew next year and get the money off next year's tickets than it would be to actually get the cash refund. Particularly as you know, they, they go on about how they understand the situation that everyone's in. You know, and a lot of people have generally lost their jobs and struggling to pay the mortgage and pay the bills. So, 170 quid, 200 quid, 300 quid, whatever it is that they're getting back. Is is a lot more important to them now than it was when you know what back in February March. So um, they should have made it a little bit easier for me, but um, at least people are getting their money back if they want it back. That's it, and that is why we are here at We Are West Ham. We don't charge you for anything we do uh, because we'd be having requests for refunds left, right, and centre week in, week out. Unless we win the award. (laughs) Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah, we might have to charge you what we what we should do. Perhaps we should speak to West Ham. And give give fans the option if we win at the football content awards, which we no doubt will have a better chance of doing if uh, everyone listening goes on and votes for us. But if we do, we should speak to West Ham and say, look, you need to give the supporters an option to if they don't want the cash back and they don't want to spend it in the club store, perhaps they can just divert it into our pockets and we'll keep trying to bring uh, the content that have, have got us to the position we're in now. Right, it's a great idea. I'm sure loads of people would take that, wouldn't they? I'm all for it, mate. <laughs> But what, one other thing, we touched, you, you touched on it earlier, Tom, and I wanted to give it a bit more time in the show because I think it's, it's something that now football's coming back will be crossing a lot of fans' minds. 
obviously we won't be able to do it or fans won't be able to do it in the numbers and in the same way they did before. But we said there was thousands of fans out on the streets in and around the West Ham Stadium on, on a couple of games, one in particular, the latest one. Saw fans protesting against the board. I don't get the sense that that feeling has particularly gone away, but it's obviously hard to protest when the whole country is, is being told to stay inside your house and that there's no football games to protest at. I'm just wondering how you feel about... Tom, you were particularly vocal about it yeah. earlier in the season when we spoke on the Love Sport radio show. Your feelings towards the board, me and James, I think perhaps a little bit more measured. Um, mm. but still felt really strongly about the direction the club was going. What are your thoughts on on certain, just the protests in particular and, and, and what sort of a feeling there'll be when football comes back? I mean, the pro- at the time, like you say, I was very much pro the protests and pro voicing our opinions, whether it's getting them to act. I'd ideally like them out, but at least change the behaviours that they were instilling in the club and making us known for in this last five, six years. I'd just change in general. I think the protests and the way they were done, they were peaceful. I know it's a big thing, but they were peaceful protests. There was big numbers, and I think it did send a strong message, which for the first time, mainstream media picked up and they were getting, sort of we get momentum behind it. So I think that right now it's tough to judge. It, it's going to be tough to sort of judge the owner's impact and what they're doing, because by the sounds of it, the season's going to get done very quickly. Transfer window's going to sieve out very quickly, and you can't get mass congregations together. So they're going to have a bit of a respite, but not on social media if the, by the looks of it they're saying that we need to sell a lot of players well they were saying that at the start of the lockdown that they're struggling financially and it's hit them very very hard I think now like you were saying people losing their jobs and the anger just in general society and the frustration of what's been going on the last few months I think they could get quite a big kickback if you see us lose a lot of players and I, they would anyway let alone now and I think the feelings will still be there for many but Right now, it's just more looking forward to the games, I think, than thinking about what the board are doing. James, quite a few people suggested that coronavirus or the, not coronavirus itself, of course, but the football blackout imposed by coronavirus as a result of coronavirus almost did them a favour. And to be quite honest, it certainly took the focus and the attention away from them and, and put some water on the angry fan feeling. Do you buy into that? Well, I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago, didn't we? And, you know, on one hand, you could say that the, it, it come at the right time for them, the perfect time for them. But on the other hand, you know, it probably didn't because uh, bold accounts, they've, David Sullivan's, what, 30, 30 million quid off his value. Um, poor him. Um, but at the same time, it, 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 doesn't, it hasn't really come at a good time for any football club owner that's, that's under pressure because fans don't forget, West Ham fans haven't, haven't forgotten the last five years just because we've had a four-month break. Um, and I just, I think that, yeah, we, we're going to have, we might, they might get away with not having much pressure on them between now and whenever the transfer window when the season ends and the transfer window opens. But the moment fans can, can have something to moan about, um, and they will moan about them more on social media than they probably ever have done, given that they can't, you know, gather socially. Although I wouldn't put it past them, given the you know lockdown's pretty much over now, isn't it? Um, so it, it, it's difficult to really say. I just you know I think they need to they need to remember that the fans aren't going to forget just because there's been no football. The fans aren't fans aren't going to forgive them uh, and give them any benefit of the doubt for anything that they've done over the last five or six years purely because they've lost a few quid during 
during a pandemic. It's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to get away that easily. It might have come at the right time for them, given the, the pressure that was being put on them. But that pressure is going to come straight back on top of them, especially if the summer goes the way we're led to believe it's going to go, in that there's going to be a lot of big players being sold for the club to then make the money that they've lost um, during this pandemic. So, um, and yeah, I mean, they've got to hope that we don't get relegated. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. I mean, how if we go down, if we go down after everything that's happened and after this breaking football, and then in the end we just get relegated. yeah, it, it, it's it's not going to be great. It's not going to be great at all, and they they're going to be probably quite pleased that fans can't get in stadiums. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's terrible to say, it's sad to say, because we saw those scenes a couple of years ago against Burnley. Um, but that sort of thing probably would happen again if fans were allowed in stadiums. We end up getting relegated. It, it got that bad before the pandemic started. Um, so they just need to make sure we stand the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I totally agree. I mean, that's so huge, isn't it? The relegation thing. You're talking about a summer transfer window there. All right, yeah, summer transfer window, they get a lot of kickback if we stayed in the Premier League and we sell Deck and Rice. I get a load of load mm. of kickback off of fans there. But yeah, if we if we went down, it would be mm. abs- it'd be anarchy, wouldn't it? But one one yeah. thing, you know, I think we we haven't spoke about it for a while for a reason. We don't try and jam jam that sort of thing down people's throats, James. And and you know, we talk about about it when it's relevant, um, but recently it hasn't been. There's been far more important things going on in the world, and and in football, you know, there was there was really no need to bring it up. I think one thing with everyone seeing all the all the protests going on in America at the moment, people have their own views on those. But for you know, people standing up for for what they believe in, and I think we made it clear certainly earlier on in the season when the protests were going on, James, didn't we? That we by all means, you should fight for your football club. And if you don't think the way it's being run or what's happening, you're not happy with it. You are as much a stakeholder in the football club, if not more of a stakeholder than anyone else is. And, you know, we, obviously we, we've made it clear before, didn't we, that we didn't condone any uh, violence and, and sort of personal attacks and, and insults mm. and that sort of stuff towards them. But by all means, fight for what you believe is right for your football club and that's what fans have been doing but yeah I think if if West Ham go down then I dread to think the uh the, the scenes that we might see then but fingers crossed we don't have that and then perhaps the board like the rest of us have, have had a bit of a time to reflect during lockdown and if we do stay up it can be a fresh slate I give Declan Rice a whopper of a new contract which we've covered on in the last few weeks Tony Cotty and Tony Gale coming on to tell us how important he is to the club so uh, hopefully the uh, the board have had a little bit of a change of heart and a bit of time to reflect as well but coming up next we'll give you an update on little Dexter whose dad we had on the show not too long ago we got some messages from Mark Noble and we'll let you know what we're going to do in the void of the mystery rogue players quiz Welcome back to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones, and the very brand spanking new full-time recruit, Mr. Tom Edwards. It's been a great show so far. We've, we've covered loads. And just as we, as we wrap it up, the first one of this new era, as we look forward to football coming back and West Ham clinging on to survival by the skin of their very teeth. So um, a little bit of good news, as me and James mentioned already, with the We Are West Ham podcast has made it through to the final 
of the Football Content Awards, which we would ask everyone who listens. We really appreciate all of your uh, all of your messages that we get from you. Everyone downloading the pod every week, we love all that. If you could go and vote for us on the Football Content Awards, head over to our Twitter for instructions, and we're in the best podcast category against some juggernauts of the game. So really appreciate a vote on that. And a little bit of good news. James, you'll remember earlier in the season, we had little Dexter's dad on. Dexter hadn't been too well, a young West Ham fan. He'd got a couple of messages, video messages off Mark Noble and Jared Bowen, which absolutely made his day. He was delighted to have been mentioned on the We Are West Ham pod. We had his dad on to chat to him about it. And Dexter's dad's been in touch with me this week. And some good news. Dexter's feeling a lot better. He was, there was, he was suspected to have juvenile arthritis condition I certainly hadn't heard for before but it meant Dexter couldn't walk and he was he was having some real trouble and not a good time for his family who were both key workers his mum and dad during this time but there's some good news from his dad uh, Dexter he's back on some steroids but he's feeling a lot better he's up and walking around and he's got to go back for some more blood tests at the hospital in a few weeks but Dexter's in really good spirits he was absolutely thrilled last time to get a mention on the show so I think it's worth uh, you know he, he sent us his congratulations Neil Langley as well about getting to the final but just telling us some good news about Dexter and uh, who's who's on the men so I'm sure I speak for all of us here that good news for uh, for little Dexter Jonesy yeah really great news uh, glad to hear that Dexter's on the mend uh, it's good good to have him on and, he, and his dad on uh, a few weeks back now but um, it's always great news to, to hear Nice gesture from the club as well, wasn't it? You know, you get a lot of bad flack with Mark Noble and Jared Bowen taking the time out of their day. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the, the club are generally quite good good with that. You know, they. I mean, I know that you know the players probably got a little bit more time on their hands, but sort of generally the the, the, the club are quite good in getting the players to sort of you know uh, do things for the community and do things for for yeah. for kids like Dexter that um, that are going through some some tough times and. Uh, I'm sure that that that'll be you know that'll continue over the years if um, there are sort of other kids and other people that sort of need a bit of a lift during during some difficult times. And Mark Noble's uh, a real bastion of, of that, isn't he? At the football club, you know, he lives and breathes it. He, he really is a, a top captain, and will will get the players to do that sort of thing moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is normally the section of the show, James, where we do the Rogue Mystery Players quiz. You managed to pip me 15-14 on game weeks in the last full podcast episode in some of the most dramatic scenes we've ever seen on We Are West Ham. We have some absolutely great shouts and great answers. Thanks again to Quizmaster Reese, who helped us out with that one. Now, we've been racking our brains. How do you possibly beat the Rogue Mystery Players quiz? And it's not the sort of thing that you, you come to in, in the blink of an eye, Jones, is it? It's the sort of thing that takes a bit of work and a bit of time. So asking fans at the moment, just to bear with us, we're, we're looking, obviously, we're still trying to keep, keep the guests in coming. We're working on a few in the background. We've had some great ones in recent times. Dean Ashton, Tony Cotty, Tony Gale, to name but a few. Loads of great names earlier in the season, all who we'd like to thank as well for getting us to the final of the Football Content Awards. We're going to keep on working hard on the show and any ideas I think Jones you might be a good idea from fans get in touch with us at we are West Ham pod at gmail.com with any feature ideas you've got that we could fill in this end of show segment which we used to fill with the mystery players quiz we've had Reese on the case as well but I think he's so fed up of uh, getting abuse off of me for the quality of his questions when I lost that he's uh, I don't know how interested he is in working with we are West Ham 
anymore. But um, yeah, certainly we're, we're sort of pretty pleased, James, so far with uh, with how it's gone. Bit of a period of change, bit of a busy couple of weeks we've had. But um, looking forward to to going forward, football coming back and working with Tom. Oh, definitely, yeah. We're we're working on a on a quiz replacement, and I think it's probably worth saying. You know, if anyone's got any ideas on how we could replace it, I mean, we're working on a couple. But if anyone listening's got got a couple of ideas that they want to throw in the mix, want to want to sort of see see on the show, then by all means, and keep keep sending your questions into to we are West Pod at gmail dot com. Uh, it's always good to to hear from you guys. Um, good, great to have Tom in. Tom back, should I say? Obviously, you 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 were part of the radio show as well, so it's good to have Tom back full time. Um, and yeah, so it's just a case of getting people to asking people to to vote for us in the in the football content awards. Head over to our Twitter, and uh, you can either tw- you can vote for us by, by either tweeting I am I I am voting for at we are underscore West Ham in at the underscore FCAs for hashtag best podcast. So we're going for the best podcast category. We've also tweeted the link. We'll tweet it again. We'll tweet the link to the online voting form. You can actually tw- uh, you can vote on Twitter and on the, on the voting form. Both of those votes will count. Um, so do both if you can. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can go to Tottenham and get another victory for West Ham. Absolutely. I'm intrigued to see, obviously, Charlie used to give a stick about our hair and our clobber. I'm intrigued to see what we both look like standing next to each other in tuxedos, James. But I think uh, that's one for <laughs> November. That's one for November. Tom, it feels like it feels like you were on loan with the club six months ago or a couple of seasons ago, and we sort of didn't really see the best of you. We saw you in snippets, but you were being kept out of sight by a better man. Charlie's moved on to to bigger and better things now, and and the club has decided to sign you on a permanent deal. How do you think your your debut's gone? I mean, the debuts, I'm happy with the debuts, to be honest. Well, I'm more I'm more offended at what you just said, Charlie, the better man, then I'm going to have to uh, organise a little meet-up with him and show him who's boss in a little five-a-side or something because <laughs> I'm not having that, to be honest. But, um, no, he, he was quality. I worked with him as well. I'd just like to say Mike from me as well, thanks to him. But I'm looking forward to it, lads, and the debuts. Steady debut, steady six, seven out of ten. It's, it's one of those, isn't it? You've you've always got to let the fans decide with these things. So I, I, I dare invite, I, I dare not invite the the We Are West Ham listeners to tweet us with their views. So obviously, you need a bit of bedding in time. It's a bit like when players come from abroad, isn't it? They come from Europe. They need to settle into their surroundings, find a nice flat, learn the language a bit better, which you certainly do. But uh, <laughs> no, we're we're both thrilled to have you on, Tom, and uh, and looking forward to the the time coming up. Like we say, stick with us. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll try and try and muddle through about Charlie's exciting times. Football's coming back. West Ham are coming back. Hopefully we stay up, up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.